Tonight's message is called Followers of God. Tonight we will continue our study through this wonderful epistle, which Paul wrote to the saints at Thessalonica. We have seen in the study of the second chapter of the book of Thessalonians how Paul, Silas, and Timothy came to the saints at Thessalonica, having been sent by God. This is still true today as God sends his ordained preachers to where he wants. And he sends them there to preach the gospel, to preach and proclaim Christ in him crucified. We also have seen how the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit of God was at work in having some chosen sinners being regenerated and receiving the word of God, not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And this occurred because God, the Holy Spirit, made the word of God preached effectual to them, and they received the word of God with joy. Isn't it wondrous and marvelous to see the truth that salvation is of the Lord brought forth from the scriptures each time the gospel is preached and proclaimed? Now let's read verses 9 to 16 of the second chapter of the book of Thessalonians. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also Thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews." who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins alway, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Tonight we'll be looking at verses 14 to 16 of this chapter, beloved of God. Now in verse 13, it is made evident that salvation is of the Lord. We looked at that last week more in depth. Let's read that verse again before we read verse 14. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. Now let's look at verse 13, keeping in mind that Paul is writing to those who by the grace and mercy of God have received the word of God in power all by the power and might of God the Holy Spirit. Now they have faith in Christ and repentance before God, and this is all a result of the regenerating power of God the Holy Spirit. This is the meaning in the latter part of verse 13 when the scriptures proclaim that the word of God works effectively in them that believe. Beloved, that same life-giving power of God, the Holy Spirit, has worked in every one of God's people. As the scriptures declare by the words of the master himself, you must be born again. Now, with this in our minds, let us look at the next three verses where we are going to see some consequences which occur after the saints at Thessalonica are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. 
and remember that this still occurs today to the true believer in Christ. Look at verses 14 to 16. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they might be saved, to fill up their sins alway, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Now take note of the words in verse 14, for ye brethren. Once again, we see that the letter is written to those brethren who have been gathered out of the world by the grace of God at Thessalonica. And they are united in the fear of God. That's a reverent, holy fear of God, having been born again by the Holy Spirit of God. For ye, brethren, those who are the called out, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So again, here before us, we see a record of the consequences of hearing, believing, and declaring the gospel declaring the truth of the gospel of salvation in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. The truth declared in verse 13, the truth that asserts that the elect hear the truth and understand, even though it's a man who speaks to them, it is in truth the word of God, as if God had personally spoken to them. And we will see now what are some of the consequences of that occurring. Now, two consequences we see quite clearly here being brought forth of hearing the truth and believing the truth are brought forth before us in this verse. First, they became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. And number two, they suffered for their faith. It goes on to say, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Now we see very clearly from these verses and the ones which we will look at again some consequences of hearing the truth and believing the truth and these will give the believer in Christ who's tried and tempted in this world which every one of us are this will give us an unshakable confidence in our Lord Jesus Christ who we know is our great God he is Elohim he is Jehovah he is God incarnate in the flesh and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this unshakable confidence does not sit well with those whose religion is based upon their works, whose religion is steeped in traditions of man and doctrines of man. This unshakable confidence does not sit well with them at all. And what we believe, beloved of God, divinely loved ones, that is who you are. If you are one of God's people, you are a divinely loved one. What we believe is based upon the scriptures as set forth in God's holy word, the Bible. I was listening to a dear brother, David Pledger, down in Texas today. And what he brought forth was, we are repeaters of what the word of God says. We just proclaim what the word of God says. He said, we don't even have to explain it. And all we have to do is proclaim it. I agree. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. God's people, God's preachers, God's preachers are sent to proclaim the report that is in Scripture. 
we will see that the words of this passage reveal two things. First, they are a reiteration of the effect that the gospel has on the people of God, those who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And next, that they are a recollection of the price that the people of God pay for being believers. As we see, they suffer for their faith. And at the same time as the believer has the unconditional love and support of other believers manifested, also at work is the indignation and hatred of those who understand what the believer is declaring and they hate it. Let's look closer at the two consequences of hearing the truth and believing the truth, which are brought forth in verse 14. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. There's a key right there in this verse right here. In Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Now remember, in chapter 1, Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, brought forth how these Gentile believers, by the power and grace of God, turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And we see here that Paul reminds those in the faith that part of the proof that they were the elect of God is that they have become followers of the churches of God in Judea. Now, this does not mean that they were following man-made doctrines or that they were following men. No, they followed the churches, which is the ecclesia, which in the Greek means a calling out, called out people. They followed those people in their faith in Christ Jesus. Hence the key in verse 14, where it says, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. They became followers of the churches of God in Judea, which followed Christ. They were a people, just like the ecclesia in Judea. They were a people chosen of God, redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, called by his grace and regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. And they have been born again by the same spirit and they have the same father and the same redeemer as their dear brethren in Judea. Then Paul brings forth in this verse, he brings it right down to the local church to whom he's writing, saying that they too suffered for the cross of Christ, just as other believers do as well. They suffered for their faith, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they of the Jews. So Paul's bringing forth that the believers in Judea have suffered at the hands of the Jews, just as the Thessalonian believers are suffering at the hands of the Gentiles, at the hands of their own countrymen. Let's read verse 14 again. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Now the word followers carries with it an idea of being equal or being like them. This spot forth, beloved of God, that the churches in Macedonia were on the same footing as those in Judea who had suffered before them. Isn't it comforting, beloved of God, to know that we are not alone in tribulation and not alone in the trials that we face regarding our faith in Christ? Listen to the words that Paul penned to the Philippian believers in Christ at Philippi. 
Philippians chapter 1 verses 27 to 30. Only let your conversation be as it cometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. Listen to what brother Tim James brings forth about verse 14 here. He says, there is also here a reminder of the church as the world is aware of it, that the world's aware of, of the church locally. Paul speaks not of the entire complete body of Christ, but rather of local churches, which are a microchasm of that spiritual body. The concept of state or national churches or giant denominational conventions are inventions of men and are intended to acquire power and influence by sheer numbers. But the church is in the world only in insignificant pockets of believers, small remnants, tiny scraps of redeemed humanity, and therein by the gospel resides the power of God. So we see in verse 14 again that by the grace of God, the believers at Thessalonica became followers of the churches of God, which are in Judea and which are in Christ. And also they suffered for their faith because it says, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So the churches in Judea had suffered both from within and without, and they were persecuted by their own countrymen as well as the world. Now the Gentile believers here at Thessalonica were also persecuted at the hands of their countrymen because they saw that the gospel of the free grace of God in Christ rejected their gods. And what did that do in in the long run? Well, it hurt the idol manufacturers' pocketbooks, didn't it? It harmed their industry of idol manufacturing. And so the churches in Judea had suffered at the hands of Judaizers. And we know that even the Gentile churches suffered at the hands of the Judaizers. And these Judaizers believed that Gentiles had no place in the economy of God. And these Judaizers were ever about the business of trying to get believers to convert and become proselytes of theirs by diminishing the gospel of salvation in Christ alone with the institution of the law and circumcision. Also, let us remember that if anyone knew how the Judaizers ticked, it was Paul, because he was once a Pharisee. Listen to what he wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God in Philippians chapter 3 to the dear saints at Philippi. He writes this of himself, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin in Hebrew of the Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. And then he writes this in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss. He continues in verses 8 and 9. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. Again, we see in verse 15, which we'll look at next, that Paul describes these Jews 
And think upon this, that if anyone might understand the physique in the arrogant mind of the Judaizer, it was Paul, the apostle. He was once a Pharisee. He once went around to slaughter the church of God. And now look what he pens by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God in verse 15. He writes of them who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they please not God and are contrary to all men. Now remember this, the true author of the scriptures is the Holy Spirit of God. And through the writings of the Apostle Paul, our great God was letting the saints at Thessalonica know that their sufferings were for the glory of Christ and for his gospel. And he was letting them know that the sufferings for Christ was not unique to them because of their calling, because Christ and his gospel had been revealed to them, because they dared to make a stand for the truth and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, they had suffered persecution from their own countrymen. Now, many of those who persecuted them were probably members of their own family or close relatives or maybe even near kinsmen. But Paul told them that this very same hatred was manifested by the unbelievers toward the churches of God in Judea. And by the time of the writing of this epistle, the church which was established at Jerusalem had spread to different parts of Judea. And many churches had been established by our great God under the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul, when he was known as Saul of Tarsus, was instrumental in the establishing of these churches. Have you ever thought of that? Not by his preaching, no, but by his vehement hatred of Christ and his gospel. By trying to destroy Christianity, Saul caused many of God's saints in Jerusalem to flee to different parts of the country. And this too, beloved of God, was all part of God's ordained plan, all for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, all for our great Savior. But these churches in Judea were persecuted by Christ-hating Jews who were guilty of killing the Lord Jesus Christ and killing many of his own prophets. We know that our Lord laid down his own life. No man took it from him. No, he laid it down. And even though it was by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, the word of God says that these wicked men, that wicked hands, had crucified Christ and killed the Prince of Peace. Listen to this in Acts chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. But she denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Therefore, it shouldn't surprise us when we're persecuted by the false religion religiousness of this world because we know if they hated Christ which they did and his true prophets they're also going to hate us beloved our text tells us those wicked Jews who persecuted the early New Testament churches it says they please not God and they're contrary to all men let's read verse 15 again who both killed the Lord Jesus Christ and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to all men Though our Lord Jesus Christ allows all things, he's not pleased with all things. He is not pleased with those who persecute and harm his precious saints. We know Paul was referring to the Jews when he said that they were contrary to all men. Our next verse evidences that very thing. Look at verse 16. What did they do? What did these Jews do? Well, they forbid us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sin always. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. We see here, beloved of God, that the enemies of God did all that they could do to prevent the preachers of God from proclaiming 
the word of life, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his precious gospel of salvation in and through him, the good news of salvation in Christ and Christ alone, and the ransoming of our eternal souls by the precious, precious life-giving blood which washes away all our sins, beloved. And the Jews called for the death of Christ, who was sent by God. They killed their own prophets who were sent by God. And they persecuted Paul, who was sent by God, holding to their own self-righteousness and doctrine of works. Now this statement forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved brings forth the fact that the Jews saw what was happening among the Gentiles when they were born again by the Holy Spirit of God when they received the gospel with great joy. Now there was a great freedom and joy among the Gentile believers and the enemies of God saw unity in Christ that they knew nothing of. And remember that you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees who did not agree even among themselves. So this is a very telling statement. The Jews sought to deny our brethren to preach the gospel. The Jews believed that the word of God was theirs and that the Gentiles had no right even to read it. I learned this while studying for this message. Brother Tim James brought this forth, that the traditions of the Jews held that if a Gentile read the law, the Old Testament, he was to be put to death. So think upon this, that the legalist or works monger cannot stomach the fact that salvation is, as Brother Tim James says, from pole to pole. Think upon this, that the legalist or any works monger cannot stomach the fact, oh my, think upon this, that the legalist or any works monger cannot stomach the fact that salvation is of the Lord, as brought forth by Brother Tim James, from pole to pole. Well, beloved, this means that salvation is of the Lord, period. And the legalists cannot stand this truth also, that holiness has nothing to do with works, has nothing to do with conduct or character, but is entirely based on the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished, complete work. Now, does that give us license to go crazy? Absolutely not. And we won't, beloved, because we are kept by the power of God. Now, do we sin? Oh, yeah, all the time, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we do. We sin more than we want to, don't we? But do we repent before our great God? Yes, we do. So we see then that the Jews could not and would not accept that the law from Sinai had nothing to do with their salvation, especially a salvation that included the Gentiles. Also, now now this is where the hammer hits the nail, beloved. This is where the hammer hits the nail. If this gospel that Paul, Timothy, and Silas preached brought about salvation for the Gentiles and the Jews, and it was only through Christ and him alone, then they knew that they were not saved, even though they were the elect nation. They, the Jews, after all, had proof that they were God's people, didn't they? they? One may ask, how did they have proof? Well, they had the law, the ceremony, the oracles, the fathers, and the promise of the Messiah, and God delivered them time and time and time again, didn't he? And they could not believe, beloved, that those Gentile believers, all they had was faith in the record, in the person, in the work of Jesus of Nazareth, and that they were saved just by believing on him. And they, the Jews, they, they did not believe this. They did not believe believe this. You know what? There's nothing new under the sun, is there? This is always the case among legalists. And the reason for their contrary attitude towards those who love the gospel of God's grace in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice at the end of this verse, verse 16, they will not escape the wrath of God Almighty. Look what it says. 
forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Now I want us to think upon this. Right now, the people, those Jews that Paul was writing about in these verses, the Jews who forbid them to speak to the Gentiles right now, and since they have breathed their last breath, and if they breathe their last breath outside of Christ, then right now and for all of eternity, the wrath of God has come upon them completely and forever. And zealous religionists who deny the free grace of God, they're special objects of God's wrath. Listen to what's penned in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 to 12 about them. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Beloved of God, what a day it will be when the harlot church Babylon, the great whore who despised the day of small things, will be made to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and his numerous little bodies of believers when they are gathered on that great day when Christ will judge the colossus of natural man-made useless religion and they will be damned. Divinely loved ones, remember that wherever you find the children of God, whether in Judea, Thessalonica, or America, these things they have in common. Number one, they agree on the depravity, inability, and sinfulness of the flesh. Number two, they ascribe all the glory for salvation and providence to God alone. Number three, they rest in the person and work of Christ alone for all their salvation and for all things. Number four, their only rule for faith and conduct is the word of God. Number five, Christ is the object of faith, the glory of God, their object in life. Number six, the last point, they endure persecution and ridicule from a world of unbelievers, both in religion and in the world. Oh, beloved, to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Amen and amen.